0: Real fast. I wanted to tell you about my new podcast, Upworthy Weekly. It's a lighthearted news podcast. It comes out on Saturdays. And I have forced my co-host, Todd Perry, to join me here to help me tell you about our new venture, Todd, Why Should They Listen?, Well, I mean, a lot of
1: people, they think, oh, it's the Upworthy podcast. It's just going to be sunshine, and it's going to be unicorns. But you know what? It's really not that. Allison doesn't have the ability, she doesn't (laughs) have it in her to actually be that person that I thought we were hiring when we did this show. But clearly, after just a couple episodes, the facade dropped, okay? I thought, you know, she's doing the Upworthy show. It's not going to be like, oh, neurotic, cynical... Allison, but no, she's there. So, you know, <laughs> I try to counteract that with some of my ah, good vibes.
0: Ah. Um, I, uh, I would argue that if one person is coming off as a little bit cynical and unhinged right now, it's not me.
1: It comes out every Saturday, wherever you get
0: podcasts. Bye. Allison, Rosen,
2: Allison, Rosen is your new best friend Allison, Allison, when her good times never end Allison, Rosen, do the way we get hands again Allison, Rosen, Allison's your new best friend
0: Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm very excited to welcome my guests to the show and I will bring them in in a moment. Now, as you know, this is the time of the show where I would be chatting with my producer, self-described bad boy of podcasting, Tony Thaxton. However, also, as you know, if you've been paying attention, he has abandoned me to go play drums with his dumb rock band, Motion City Soundtrack. I just had him as a guest on my Monday episode, and I explained that I have mixed feelings about referring to them as a dumb rock band. because They're not dumb. They're like actually a great rock band. Tons of listeners have been going to see him on this tour where he's been playing for thousands of people each night, blah, blah, blah. And I don't feel good about calling them dumb because he's not the only member of the band and his mom has been listening to the episodes that he's not on, which I personally feel is like a victory for me and the show, et cetera. Um, but she's been texting him saying, like, Allison's saying, like, you know, some pretty intense stuff about you. Um, and then, you know, he's been, you know, explaining that that's like our thing. But at the same time, no, you know what? They are a dumb rock band because he chose to go play drums with them and not be here for the episode, and I don't like that very much. In other news, and look, the world is a pretty not great place right now, and I think we all know what we're talking about, but in very, very personal news, I washed my very favorite pair of house pants. They're not sweatpants. They're more yoga pants, but they're kind of what has gotten me through the shutdown, which is not really going on anymore. But you know, they're still what I'm wearing. I washed them last night, I got them out of the dryer, put them on. And there's something that is now itching me in the back. And I take a few steps and then I'm like, what is is bothering me? And then I look at the waistband. I can't find it put them back on, take a few steps. Look, I took them off, laid them on my bed, got out. I have a magnifying glass with a light that my mom gave me because that's the kind of family we are. Uh, I don't know if I think it's actually like for stamp collectors. I don't know. But I inspected it. I can't find the thread or whatever it is that's poking me in the back. But I I don't know what to do. I think I might have to throw out the pants, but I don't have like another pair waiting in the wings. So I know it seems like not a big deal, but it feels like a huge deal. So if you have any thoughts about that, tweet me at Alison Rosen. Uh, You can, you know, contact me on Instagram as well at Alison Rosen. You can email a R I Y N B F show at Gmail. Um, Or perhaps leave your response about my pants (laughs) in a review wherever you listen to the show. I would love an Apple podcast review five stars. This seems like a ruse. Oh, my God. I just saw a bird. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm staring out the window and there's a bird perched on a light string and a bird just like fell off. I think this bird is depressed about the pants. Okay, excuse me. This is a real real sidetrack. I am delighted to welcome to the show a couple of podcasting veterans. Um, I'm sure you know them from the self-help, like, road test, self-help road, self-help test kitchen. I'm getting my lingo all mixed up. Podcast by the book uh, and also from the actual book, which is called How to Be Fine, What We Learned from Living by the Rules of 50 Self-Help Books. Kristen Meinzer and Jolenta Greenberg and now they have teamed up again to bring us a new podcast called Romance Road Test. I knew Road Test was in there somewhere. Um where they tried out all these different ways to uh like put the spark, let's say, back in their marriages. We'll get into more of that. Please put your hands together for Kristen Meinzer and Jolenta Greenberg. Hello.
2: Hello! Hi. Oh my gosh, we're so excited
0: to be here, Allison. It's so nice to have you guys here. Um Okay, let's just pick apart my intro. Did I yeah. get all that right?
2: <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You got most of it, yeah. So um Jolenta and I, for uh, nine seasons now, have been hosting a podcast called By the Book. And as you mentioned, that's a self-help podcast where we live by the rules of a different self-help book for two weeks at a time, and we record ourselves at home, in the world, in our marriages, so you can hear how each best-selling self-help book we live by enhances or destroys our lives. And so, uh, yeah, on that show, we've lived by everything from the life-changing magic of tidying up to The Secret to... um The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Think of a best-selling self-help book. We've probably lived by it, and we probably tortured our loved ones by living by that book. How to Be Famous by Heidi and Spencer. Now, that one's a good book, actually. We love that book.
0: I went down a rabbit hole of being like, I need to get Spencer Pratt on my show. And I tried to make it happen. Like I took a few steps to make it happen. In that I emailed someone at his I don't even know if he still has a podcast, but I emailed or contacted mm-hmm. someone at his podcast network or his then podcast network. Um, and I, I became bitter that it never happened. But then I was looking at your podcast feed. And I'm like, Oh, my God, you guys had Spencer, didn't you?
1: Yeah, we had How Spencer. Was it. It was a wild ride um we got him through twitter that's (laughs) that's how we got him and then you know there was definitely a few times like uh, of rescheduling and then i believe he was a teeny bit late but it was because he was doing um like a martial art uh class or like was working with his martial arts instructor um so it was it was everything you would ever want did he,
0: did he give you a Pratt Daddy crystal?
1: <laughs> no, he did not oh. give a crystal. Bummer. But we did talk hummingbirds, which yes. was delightful.
0: <laughs> um, do you follow him on TikTok? Yeah, you know that he's been like debunking. What does he call it, Pratt? He has some some name for when he uh, pulls up scenes from the hills and then explains what was really right. going on behind the scenes. Ooh! Yeah. No, I haven't seen that
2: yet.
1: Yeah, he explains like yeah the production side. It's very very cool. You yeah. should you should check it out because you love a a BTS reality. Oh edition. yeah, I
2: do love the behind the scenes. I yeah. do.
0: Yeah. Um. Yes. So I uh I, I want to get into all the like how that came about and which books you found helpful and just sort of your relationship with self help and stuff like that. But but let's talk about the new show first. Right. Um, okay. So romance road test. I'm, I'm that's the, the name, right? For yes. audible, exactly the name, exactly the name. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's an is audible this, original. <laughs> is this, does this happen to you? I used to be so good at names and I also used to be, I used to have such a good memory though. Those two things, yeah. I guess it's kind of the same thing. That was my thing. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting old or if it's because of social media. Now we all know 12 million people, Or if it's a combination of both, but I go to pull a name and the wrong one comes out and I also I'll be talking to someone and I know their name and suddenly I get this anxiety that I'm going to say the wrong name. So now I just double check everything like I know that that's the name of your show, but I still had to check because I'm just like I feel like I'm mangling it.
2: Yeah, I I do that all the time. Literally, I did it yesterday with somebody I know. I called him to his face the wrong name and he's a friend of mine. Yeah. Um, But you know what I don't do it with? Like that one third rate actor who was on that one episode of Love Boat that was syndicated for me to watch (laughs) on Saturday nights. Like I'll remember something like that or like that one time that, you know, on Little House on the Prairie that Albert did this thing. Like I'll remember shows from my childhood like that are taking up room in my brain that should be going to remembering my friend's name who I saw last night.
0: Right. Well, that maybe that's why. It's because the pop culture center of the brain is filled, so the friend name section (laughs) is you know part is there's a smaller there's an overflow exactly (laughs) right Um, right okay so it's audible and all the episodes dropped at once is that you guys pod and Kristen you wrote a book about podcasting so you guys are real I like to consider myself like because I've been podcasting for a while so I consider myself a podcasting lady but you guys totally total podcast experts veterans is but this feels like kind of a new uh format format the wrong word a new trend perhaps for all the episodes to drop at once
2: yeah um and you know for by the book we put them out every other week because um we are literally living by the books for 2 weeks we want people to follow along we want people to have time to read the books and so on and um but Romance Road Test is different because each of the relationship hacks that we tried were essentially just like one date, usually. Like, mm-hmm. oh, tonight we're going to assemble flat pack furniture together and see if it makes us love each other more. Or, <laughs> you know, what, whatever it is, we're going to write each other love letters and see how that works out. And so, Jolenta and I essentially just banked all the episodes and then. Audible released them all at once and so many of our listeners have written in saying they binged the whole thing in either one or two sittings.
0: Mhm. Interesting. When you first found out they were going to release them all at once, what was your reaction?
1: Our reaction was sweet. <laughs> um, I was excited. I just I like I like a a binge. I like I like listening to things for like hours straight or mm-hmm. watching them for hours straight. So I was excited to release something in the way that I tend to consume it. Like often I'll like save up episodes so I can like listen to a bunch in a row sometimes. So I was just excited that I was like, it's the way I listen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good idea. Um, so where did the idea for this show for a Romance Road Test come from?
2: Well, part of it is that on by the book, our husbands appear in the episodes a lot. Jolenta's husband Brad and my husband Dean, you know, maybe we are preparing for death through like the gentle art of Swedish death cleaning, and our husbands and I will talk about death together or whatnot um, or we'll be living by America's cheapest family gets you right on the money, and we'll be trying to budget meals for the whole week for fifteen cents or whatnot, and we'll hear our husbands like you know, appear in the show, loudly exhale, have to live through whatever this is. But people have written in for years saying, we would just love to have more of the husbands on the show. And Joel Lent and I were thinking, what is the best way to get more of our husbands on the show and to maybe switch things up a little bit? And we thought, you know, by doing relationship hacks, because there are no shortage of them, they are a constant, they are regularly fed to women in particular, mm-hmm. in magazines and books, whatnot on TikTok. And so much of what Jolent and I are doing is just examining what are the expectations put on women, on people, um, you know, what what is in our culture that forms our ideas of what's good or bad or right or wrong or self-sufficient or not. And so we're like, you know what, let's turn all of this onto what romance is what is a relationship um and we'll use these hacks to examine our relationships and maybe even uh help or hurt our relationships <laughs> and were you
0: feeling like your relationships were needing a little something
1: um uh, i'll speak for myself first this is jalenta um for me <laughs> Uh, I'm sort of coming through the back end of, I guess, like a two, two and a half year uh, ordeal with lupus and having to go on uh, like chemo medicine mm-hmm. and like losing all my hair and just really relying on my partner to be a caregiver, especially uh, during the pandemic, because like I had no immune system. So he's like my, you know, caregiver and my proxy to the outside world. So uh, now that I'm, like, getting healthier and I'm, you know, much more able-bodied and such, um, we're trying to figure out how to, like, get back into, like, partner mode and Mm -hmm. out of, like, patient caregiver mode. So we definitely needed, like, a few things to, like, shake up our dynamic.
2: Right. Yeah. And for me and Dean, I would say um, there wasn't anything as monumental as that in our relationship. but. We just happen to have been going through like, it's like we looked at the calendar and it's like, oh, it's been like seven years together. Are we literally going through the seven-year itch? And we looked at each other like, we spend a lot of time just sitting on the couch watching TV with each of us looking at our own phones. Mm -hmm. We spend a lot of time (laughs) doing things that aren't necessarily bad, but, you know, would it? help us in some way? Would it be fun to shake that up? Um, Are there ways we might be taking each other for granted? Or is it maybe not so bad that we're so comfortable with each other? So the show was a chance for us to look at all of that from different angles.
0: You know, it's so funny, because in the first episode, um, just the the term seven-year itch is kind of just is mentioned. And I have my husband and I just um, celebrated our eighth wedding anniversary. And I Congrats. feel like you know we have two young children and th- things are great, but definitely we could use some spicing up of things or some excitement or any you know I've, I anything like that. And I was thinking, it just com- I had completely forgotten that there is that term already in culture: the seven-year itch. <laughs> it was kind of uh, comforting to realize that like that is it really kind of is something that you know, happens.
1: Yeah. It's so normal there's like a a, d- a dorky saying, like that sounds like it's from the forties. <laughs> like she's got the seven year itch. Like, you know. Right.
0: Right. So what were some of the things that you tried and found helpful? Oh, Jolenta
2: and I don't always agree on what was helpful. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um like for my partner Brad and I, um we really liked trying each other's hobbies. And, like, for me, it was a very, like, at-home, like, solitary – I was doing bead weaving. I was making a basket out of beads.
0: This is something Um, he does? No, it's something
1: I do. Oh. (laughs) Something I do, not him. And so, like, he got into it, and he realized, like, oh, this is way harder than I thought. And, like, oh, you make a pattern first? And Mm -hmm. then I went with him uh, to his, like, dorky backgammon club that meets at a bar and, like, does some low-stakes gambling every weekend. And, like, met a few of the guys he hangs out with and, like, learned how they do their, like, whole gambling process, which is very complex, of course. Um, And it was just nice to get, like, a little peek into each other's own, like, personal worlds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe we aren't going to do it again. But now when that – when our partner's talking about what they were up to, we have a much better, like, picture of what it is.
2: Right. Right. Um, I just want to jump in, though, and make clear – Dean and I could have broken up over the hobby date. We (laughs) did not enjoy learning about each other's hobbies. We did not enjoy living those hobbies. Uh, Dean loves video games. He tried his best to come up with a video game that I would enjoy. And then, of course, he micromanaged me and turned into a tyrant the entire time and tried to show me how to do it right. It's hilarious. And and he is such a sweet, mild-mannered guy with the most gentle, easygoing, stereotypical New Zealand personality. He's from New Zealand. And he was not that guy during video game hobby day. And then I tried to introduce him to live theater. I know for a fact he hates live theater. He particularly hates when people are talking and trying to act natural on a stage. He hates when, he hates when people are suddenly singing and he doesn't understand why. He hates, you know, live theater. Yeah. He hates sitting in a theater. So I came up with this outdoor ice dancing event, which I thought he would enjoy more because there's no talking. There's no singing. You're not in a traditional theater. And it was pure hell for him. He could not believe he was sitting through what felt like a modern dance experience for him. (laughs) And, yeah, so when Jalenta talks wistfully about, like, oh, yeah, and I learned a little bit more about what his life is like in his spare time, for me and Dean, it's like, never again. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't care. I don't ever want to play a video game again with you. What was the video game that he uh, had you play? It was some, I forgot the name of it. It was about world building where there were like, you could build little blocks of an island and all the blocks could go together and then you could build buildings and I was making a very livable village which had like public spaces and then houses that were, you know, uh, dense housing with a city square because I really care about, you know, equitable city planning. And he was just like, why aren't you building skyscrapers? Yeah. You're not if you're a real gamer, game.
1: like, you'd be building real high. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> chill out, dude. Yes. Like, she's not a real gamer. Like, I let am her not. floor.
0: <laughs> I've tried so many times to get into video games because I watch – it's been a long time since my husband has played them. But I watch the times – that I have seen him sort of escape into that. And I've thought, Mm -hmm. I would like to have that kind of escape. But I just, it's just not my thing. Twitter is. Which doesn't bring me peace. Well, I guess video (laughs) games don't really bring him peace either, though. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I remember when we were first dating, he thought maybe I would like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a game called Portal. That seems to be one that a lot of people think. Um, gals would Non-gamers like, or people who like. not yeah. not typical gamers would like. But I Is was that the so... one that's like Scrabble. Or... No, it's like I think people would they they say it's like a puzzle game, but you're like this little robot, and you're trying. I think you're like trying to get out of somewhere. Um But two people can play at once, and. I just remember that my video game literacy was so because I played, you know, Super Mario Brothers when I was a kid, like my video yeah. game literacy was so low that I didn't I couldn't even control the like Joyce, not Joyce, the video game controller thing. Like right. I was having trouble even figuring out like, well, what moves me forward and sideways? And so it was the thing that was supposed to be so easy was difficult for me. OK, so so the hobby night did not work for you, Kristen. What was something that you found that you liked?
2: Well, Dean and I loved the terrifying date. So um the terrifying date is supposed to actually just kind of confuse all of your senses because one thing that happens when we're falling in love with people is there are um, you know, there's heightened adrenaline, there's anxiety, there's fear. All of these things are kind of mixed in together and you can kind of replicate that by just throwing yourself into a really scary situation together. And so uh, I am not, to be clear, uh, a very good bike rider. I I don't own a bike. I've never owned a bike in my adult life. And Dean had recently recovered from a mountain biking injury that got him, you know, stitches and in the Mm -hmm. emergency room. And so we decided, all right, let's ride a tandem bike together in Brooklyn. See that? I feel (laughs) anxiety. I think I'm falling in love with you guys because I feel anxiety
0: (laughs) and adrenaline just hearing this. Oh god. If you listen and, um, to the
1: to the tape it's just her sh- shrieking <laughs> and being like, "Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god." Like it's yeah. so Yes. Horrible. Oh, that was a perfect imitation,
2: Jolenta. Yes. That's what the <laughs> whole you. episode Thank sounds like is me screaming and saying, "Oh my god."
1: But But I, I would agree that that one worked for Brad and I as well. Like it might just be like the adrenaline endorphins make you like be like, whoa, we just survived that. And like ours was ours was like pretty basic where we're both fine drivers. But in our relationship, like we got that sexist trope where like he's the one who usually drives when we have a car, which is not often. Um, like we, you know, help our neighbor move his, move his car when he's out of town. So we like, he lets us borrow it once in a while, but like, so we just decided I would drive us to the beach and it was (laughs) was terrifying. I tend to be a little overly cautious, which doesn't go over well for New York drivers. Like (laughs) when you wait too long (laughs) to make that left turn. And, uh, so it was a lot of like him screaming at me, me screaming back. But then by the time we got to our destination, uh, we were like, it felt like we had, you know, just ridden a roller coaster together. And like, we were kind of psyched that we survived, even though it was just driving to like the fucking beach.
2: <laughs> Did you guys watch uh, or do you watch The Bachelor? Um, I On have and not off, watched it in but ages. A while. But yeah, same as Jolenta. Back in the day and back in the day, I was even in a Bachelor League, I admit it. But I haven't watched in quite a while.
0: Okay, I have not. I'm on and off, but back in the day, do you remember the season where it was, I believe his name was Jake Pavelka and Vienna.
1: Yeah. That, um, I I remember Jake Pavelka for sure. It was like
0: Vienna. Gerard. I want to say Girardi. Anyway, not important, but they, um, like, uh, had, a, they sort of ho- locked into each, or they, you know, clearly there were sparks between them super early on. And then I, I think he chose her. Um, but their date was that they went bungee jumping together. And I remember Whoa. thinking this is unfair because they. It's because they went bungee jumping together, and he was so afraid, or she was. This is a terrible story because I am misremembering no, all I the details. But I see what you're getting at. Like That's they had such yes. a like
1: they had such a near death experience. Exactly. That like they were way more bonded than the other. They were ones. trauma I feel bonded. Like this happened on <laughs> yes. another season where they did like a zero g room, and the the woman threw up, and then he ended up picking her, oh. and everyone was surprised. <laughs> she was Canadian, is all I remember. I'm sorry, but yeah, no, Bachelor. Yes. Does that a ton, even like the balloon rides they do all the time, or like a helicopter ride, like that would totally sort of trick your nervous system into being like, ah, yeah. I'm jittery and excited and and you're here, so I'm excited about you. Like,
0: yeah. Um, how did you choose the uh, for lack of a better word, to use reality show terminology, the
2: challenges that you would do? Mm, mm-hmm. Oh, I like that word, challenges. <laughs> We've been going back and forth on like calling them enhancers, dates. hacks, dates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But oh yeah, challenges. That's a good way to put Love it.
1: Love that. So um, it was pretty easy. Like all we had to do was look for like you know cosmolisticals <laughs> about like how to like get closer to your man. Like I would search things like getting closer to my guy and stuff, <laughs> and then there would be like too many to choose from. <laughs>
2: yeah our our first season we go on fifteen dates, and the sixteenth date is we sit down with a relationship therapist and we kind of unpack everything that we've gone through. But our original list when we were like trying to narrow things down must have had a hundred things on it. Mm. There are so many ways that we as women are supposed to improve our relationships, and there are no shortage. Of ways we're falling short so oh, yeah. um but
1: we Sex just every day
2: because yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so that was one of them right taxing <laughs> uh, for me it was physically taxing <laughs> towards the end
2: <laughs> it was very taxing yes it was did the dudes love it
1: they liked it, but like my husband got sick of it, too. But that forced us to be creative about like sex isn't always like, you know, a hetero intercourse. It might be like one of us like getting a handy or something and or just like making out for a bit and like dry humping. And it's like just like a physical connection moment. Like we really stretched the definition of sex at the end, <laughs> mostly because like you get sore having sex all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an invitation for various infections. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: that's true. I'm, I'm glad yes. we both like escaped without UTIs.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that was the sexiest thing I've ever said. That's such a that's such <laughs> a Ugh. mom of a teenage. It's an invitation for various infections. Um,
1: it's worse than going in a hot tub for too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Was there uh, what one thing? If there was one, were you dreading the most,
2: or was there anything you were dreading? Oh, boy. Jolenta, I feel like... Brad was really dreading the oh. smut exercise. He did yeah. not want to read smut back and forth with you, did he?
1: Right. I, like, ended up dreading that because he, like, so clearly was dreading it from, like, not even day one, but, like, like day one of, like, the cons- concept of the show. Um, but they say, like, a lot of expert relationship – relationship experts say, like, reading, you know, erotica out loud to each other is a great way, like, to sort of, you know, get excited for for each other that isn't just like physical sex or a good way to like get into physical sex and my spouse you know he has a career that uh you know makes it so he doesn't necessarily want you know his co-workers or people to hear him like reading porn to right. his wife <laughs> and you know he also is like recovering from like a pretty like strict Catholic upbringing so like he's just a little reserved in that area no one needs to like hear it so it was a big chat like I was writing it because I had to be like how do I find erotica that this guy is comfortable reading let alone reading while I like sort of shove a little microphone in his face and uh, I ended up on some Victorian era erotica Because mainly they have so many layers of clothes to take off. Like nothing (laughs) happens.
0: (laughs) What about you, Kristen?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, What was I dreading the most? What were Dean and I dreading? I mean, I I don't know that we were necessarily dreading anything. We went in open-minded, but we were surprised with how many things flopped. And we were surprised with how many things went well. Um, but one that I was so excited for was to go to a romance theme hotel. And this was something that the minute we had our shortlist together, I was searching immediately. Like, oh, I want to find a theme hotel. I want to get us costumes. I special ordered these Star Trek uniforms for us. <laughs> I found this hotel that like has you know the heart-shaped hot tubs, the champagne glass hot tubs, all of that stuff. The outside of the hotel actually is a castle. Literally, the outside looks like a castle. I was so amped up for this. And then we got there and I just like, I don't know where my libido went. I left it back in New York because we were going to New Jersey for this. And as we got closer and closer to Jersey to this hotel, by the time we got there, it just was like, I can't do this. I don't feel sexy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think so, happened? I, I just feel like I built it up too much. There was too much pressure, mm. the costumes, the whole mm-hmm. thing. And <laughs> so what we ended up doing was just, you know, we went to the center of town and there was a historic district and we read history plaques, which is one of my favorite things in the world, is like history plaques, reenactor actors, um, old buildings, uh, uh, all of these things. So we came across all of these things. And then we just had a nice dinner and we drank wine. And we ended up doing things that were kind of just like what we would normally do on a little weekend getaway. And once we did those things, then I did feel sexy. And then we did go back to the hotel. And then we did use that hot tub. And we did all the things. And I it did get a UTI afterward, sadly. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it was just so much pressure to perform. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't expect that because I was so looking forward to it. And then, yeah, it didn't go as planned. And that happened a lot to both of us, I would say, Jalenta, that things would not necessarily go as planned.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. How
2: much is the
0: having, doing the stuff for the podcast, having the microphone there, how much does that affect things, do you think?
1: Mm. I'd say at this point for my husband and I not it doesn't affect things too much. Um and he's more comfortable like being candid and then afterwards being like uh that thing I said in the middle like don't don't use that. Like so um at this point because we've been doing our our uh like regular show by the book for so long like He's pretty okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, like, done him too dirty yet, so I feel like he also, like, <laughs> us, you know?
2: Yeah. Dean is mostly comfortable with it at this point, but it has happened before where there have been certain <laughs> things that have been recorded <laughs> that his coworkers will then tease him about later. There was, uh, in By the Book, Not in Romance Road, Tess, Um I-, I think we were living by the five love languages, and we did end up having a romantic bath together that – still Dean to this day gets ridiculed for <laughs> and feels just like completely yeah. mortified by it's And listeners like, still like to write in about oh, that totally. episode. They just love it's to talk about it. <laughs> you know, if you're a housewives
1: fan, I don't know if you are, but it's very like Tamra and Eddie in the bath where it's like, Oh, stop. I can't watch this <laughs> or hear this in this case.
0: Um, I have a, a. uh, a gendered question to ask you guys mm-hmm. that just popped into my head but I'm wondering because um my husband so my husband when I first met him he was quick to let me know that he was not the kind of person who would ever like want to be interviewed on the show Or, Mm. um, you know, that's just not his thing. And now he's a regular on the show. (laughs) 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 Uh, And does the intros for the Thursday version of the show, which is a group show. Um, So uh, he's totally, like, changed since we've been together. Um, But I sometimes wonder... I feel like it takes a certain level of... I feel like this is, like... It's not capital p problematic as a question it's small p problematic as a question because it is like like i said it's a gender question but like it takes Mm -hmm. a certain level of like strength as um um i'm just gonna get it out and then we can uh criticize my question but i'm just thinking for a man to have um for for the for the wife to be the one who's, like, the the known personality who has the podcast that a whole bunch of people listen to, and he's a personality on the podcast, but it's, like, not centered around him, Um and he's not in control of what gets put out there and stuff, Um I'm just wondering, like, do you think that that is hard for them, I guess, ego-wise, or... Do you get that? I'm not articulating it well, but all three of us have, all three of us are the ones who have the husbands who are kind of the side characters on our show. No offense, Daniel. (laughs) That's my husband. No,
1: I know what you mean because I feel like putting them on mic uh, like sort of inherently means a level of vulnerability that I think like in a society that raises, you know, people in like gendered ways like we're more used to and it's more common for women to be more vulnerable and like it's it takes a a guy who's like who is like pretty, you know, either oblivious or chill <laughs> or comfortable with himself enough to be vulnerable in like certain areas.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, Dean for his, you know, uh, when it comes to him, he loves it. He feels like a celebrity. When people, like, <laughs> occasionally it. people, like, maybe once every three months, somebody will stop him on the street because maybe they'll overhear him talking. They'll hear his accent at a coffee shop and they'll be, be like, oh my God, are you Kristen's husband, Dean? And he loves it. He feels like a superstar. <laughs> so <laughs> it's adorable. So, and, yeah, it's it's, it's fantastic because he just – it makes him feel like a superstar, so he loves it. Um, but yeah, I, I also would say that um, Dean of all of us uh, is not somebody who came up in the world to be a performer. Both Jolenta and Brad met in acting school. Mm. I've been podcasting for 13 years now. And so Dean, he's like a computer scientist. So to him, right. it's just like this whole other glamorous world. And he's like, ooh, look at me. I'm on a podcast. <laughs> uh, not, not that podcasts are glamorous. We all know that podcasts are yeah. just like uh, <laughs> I'm sitting in a closet right now, literally talking with you. So not glamorous, right? It's so a how, out
1: closet?
0: <laughs> <laughs> how did um, Jolenta? How did you and and Kristen meet?
1: We met uh, working in radio for like a news, a daily news radio show. I was – it was my day job. I was, like, teaching acting <clears> – <throat> pardon me. I was teaching acting and realizing, like, wait, I'm not an actor. I'm a stand-up because I, like, fucking hate other people. Um. So I was – but I also needed money. So I was working um, admin – at this news radio show. And Kristen was a producer there, and she also uh, had a focus on... You were the culture producer, right?
2: Yeah, I was the culture producer, and I also hosted um, the station's movie podcast.
1: Right. And so I was in charge of getting all the show's mail, which includes, like, so, so many books. Like, I'm sure you get this. Like, you probably get sent books of, like, like, people who want coverage. Mm -hmm. And some books, like, make sense. And it's like, oh, like... You know, Madeline Albright wrote a book like we should like look into booking her. But it's also like, you know, bins and bins full of ridiculous books, especially self-help books. So I was at a point in my life where I was like shifting careers from like one stupid career as an actor to a, just a stupid career as a comedian. And I was like, I'll take all these books and change my life. <sighs> Um, I love that. And then I was like, and because I'm like self-absorbed, I'll record it. <laughs> um, and then uh, I knew Kristen would at least be curious because she loves, uh, you know, sort of picking apart self-help culture. She loves critiquing books. And I was like, she would be such a good person to do this with um because she's a good friend of mine at this point and i love talk and shop with her but also she's you know more of the level-headed one more of the skeptical one so she's also around to like make sure i don't like accidentally join like a self-help book cult or something
2: (laughs) (laughs) what um what radio show was this that you guys were at uh, it was a sh- Oh, Should we say the name of the show? I guess we can. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I don't know why we aren't saying it. <laughs> yeah, it
2: um, yeah. It is The Takeaway, which it used to be back in the day a four hour live daily national news show. And now I think it's an hour-long hour long show that yeah. is um, in a lot of markets. I think it's a mid morning or an afternoon show now in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, were you, would you really join a cult, Jolenta?
1: I don't think so at this point. I think maybe <laughs> at the point like I'm talking about, which was, you know, almost 10 years ago. But, uh, I think I'm much more skeptical about like looking at the, the source of the material, like looking at who is telling me what to do and making sure, you know, they actually have the credentials they say they have and stuff, which I didn't do before, but turns out there are a lot of people who like, will say they're doctors on a book.
0: How do you guys, do you have opinions about Teal Swan? Because I just watched that documentary.
1: I was literally thinking about her while I was answering that question. Yeah.
2: (laughs) 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 I must've intuited
0: each other. I know we really did. Um, What if she caused us to think that? She might be. Yeah. Um Whoa. Yeah. I feel like I've like I had seen her on social media once or twice or something. And then uh, someone recommended that documentary deep, deep End. Yeah. The Deep End. Yeah. And so I just watched it now. Mostly I just want to know what happened to Blake's fish. Um, oh, my God.
1: I know. I know. And, you know, she had a rebuttal on YouTube where she says he left him in the sun for six hours.
0: Right. So I only so know that. What's because- the case? Why
1: did he leave him? Maybe he had to because, like, shit was going down. I don't know. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, the, do- the filmmakers definitely made it look sus. Spish. Oh, totally. Sus. Um, yeah. I haven't seen her rebuttal. I only know because I went back to the woman who recommended it. Stephanie Wilder Taylor for my listeners who are, who are who have been following all this because mm-hmm. it was on air that it was recommended to me. Um I see. yeah, so anyway. Wait. Sorry. T- this is a real tangent. Back she's to someone back, who really to, just, back she's, to the original teal thought. <laughs> but no, I mean she's like I was just losing my shit watching this documentary because of her uncredentialed uh, like destruction. Anyway, okay so
1: she's uncredentialed and implanting false memories in people not even like a bad psychiatrist doing that um No, and it's like, and that is someone who if I caught her at the right time, she would have like, that's the person I would have totally vibed with. Like, really? Totally. It's embarrassing (laughs) to say, but I'm watching her being like, oh, my God, like 15 years ago, me would have like bought this hook, line and sinker, probably, or like gone gotten too far in and realized, oh, no, it's crazy, like a little too late. Uh, Um,
0: Well, thank God you didn't.
1: But one thing we've learned is uh, people who love to say they're experts like often will stretch their credentials. Um, and then when you get into like cult territory, they like incredibly stretch their credentials, whether it's like the amount of abuse they have suffered or like in the case of Nexium, like he's a genius, he's a piano prodigy. Right. Keith Raniere, the guy who runs it, <laughs> where it's like it's sort of a common theme where there they have these sort of grandiose backgrounds totally. that like when you barely scratch the surface, it like crumbles. Yes.
2: Totally. Yeah. So and I'll, oh will go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was no, I wanna hear what you we're gonna say. Oh And I was going to say, you know, cult leaders, both Jolent and I are very fascinated with them in various forms. I'm particularly kind of obsessed with anything having to do with either multi-level marketing or the Christian patriarchy. Mm -hmm. So Mm. like, I I was obsessed with the Duggars, um, you know, 19 Kids and Counting back when they still only had 14 kids. Um, I've always been very obsessed with, you know, uh, everything from like essential oils to Tupperware parties to makeup mm-hmm. and so on. As far as you know, h- how are people selling this? What is this pyramid scheme and so right. on? So, um, it's kind of a fine line between that world and the self-help world. And a lot of people who are writing self-help books are actually appearing at you know MLM conferences. Are actually getting together at uh, these retreats with these people from the Christian patriarchy and so on. So they all kind of associate with each other or they just are those people sometimes. Yeah. Oh, Lula rich was so good. Yes. Right. And um,
1: yes. I think I'm trying to think Rachel Hollis either did stuff with them or some other MLM yes. thing too, where yeah. it's like, and she's then done she a lot of MLM going on. MLM like, stuff. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Lula um, rich is wild.
0: So Kristen, am I right that you are more or were more skeptical
2: of self-help as a movement or self-help books than Jolante. Oh, very going in. much so. Yeah, very much so. I was definitely coming in from the position of I'm a critic, I'm a culture critic, I poke holes in things, I tear it apart, I break it down. Um, and uh I am not somebody who wants to believe the promises that the mm-hmm. self-help authors offer. And oftentimes I look at them and there's also, you know, a racialized and a gender and a class aspect to a lot of the Uh, books that are out there too this whole mythology of if I can do it anyone can but then you scratch the surface and you realize two-thirds of self-help authors are men and two-thirds of readers are women and that's a stat from Goodreads so that shows that it is an industry filled with men telling women what to do and the vast majority of them are white men they aren't dealing with things like Uh, structural racism. They aren't dealing with um, gender inequality the way we are. When they say, if I can do it, anyone can, well, maybe you can do it because you were born on third base, but I I wasn't. And so uh, there's definitely that aspect to all these books too that, you know, resulted in me going in a little suspicious. But also I think so many of the books Uh, their bread and butter is doing the same thing the diet industry does, telling you that you're the screw up, this is your fault, you need to have better habits, this is why you're where you are right now, and uh, you need to be fixed. And I don't really (sighs) like going into any relationship either with an author or a physician or anyone else whose starting point is that you're the fuck up. Yeah, I don't enjoy that. So
1: here's this problem you have. (laughs) What
0: um what you're saying makes me think of the rules. Do
2: you remember that? Oh yes, yes. I knew people who loved the rules back in the day. People who like swore by the rules, Um, and the authors of the rules. I'm sure we all know this. They did land husbands by following these rules, which are essentially like play hard to get, play head games. You know, never call them back, never Um, accept a weekend date after Wednesday. Yeah, but then the authors even though they landed their man ended up getting divorced yeah. from them. They didn't know how to make a marriage work. They just knew how to trick somebody into marrying them. So, right.
0: and it's not I, even I, and, yeah. and there's no like do you want do you even like the guy? It's just about yeah. right. I don't know. Um so what are some of the self-help
2: books that you liked? Mm. Um it's not um uh oh, God. I'm just going to say it. I'm very biased. I love Dolly Parton. Okay. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. I almost feel like I I should not be prescribing this because I went in with my own preconceived notions because we are lucky to be alive at the same time that Dolly Parton is. But her book, Dream More, was an inspiration. It only has four steps to it. It's concrete what you're supposed to do with each step. It's laid out well. Her voice comes through in everything. And um, most self-help books don't do any of those things. Most of them don't have the steps clearly laid out. Uh, mm. The voice of the author sounds like could could just be the voice of any ghost writer sometimes. Mm. Um, and uh, it, it was also short. Too many self-help books are 600 pages yeah. long when they really should be maybe 150 pages. And so Dolly kind of nailed all of that. Um, but again, I'm very biased. I love Dolly Parton to death. When my husband and I got married, we honeymooned in Dollywood. <laughs> she she is a goddess. We are lucky to live on this planet <clears throat> with her. <laughs> what about for it's you, true Galenta?
1: It's true. I also love that book. Um, I have like two... Favorites like that are tied in my head at this moment. The first one is sort of an old school one. I think it came out in 1986, the same year I was born, Um, and it's called "What to Say When You Talk to Yourself" uh, by Shad Helmstetter, and he is an actual PhD. Like he knows how he like knows like about cognitive behavioral therapy, and it's a book that pretty simply lays out like how self-talk affects you like what you're saying to yourself in your head and how like we predominantly as we grow up sort of collect like all these negative like tidbits that we then remind ourselves of and like some are important like don't cross the street without looking both ways like that you should remember and like maybe say to yourself every time you cross the street but not like you're a fat, disgusting pig, like every time you eat food. And Mm -hmm. then he talks about how like neural pathways work and how, you know, those negative pathways are sort of laid and but also the good news is we can change them and like, simple, like affirmations and just sort of trying to notice how you talk to yourself and flip it to a positive bent. And like that over time, eventually will become habit and like, you can create better neural pathways. And like it literally helped me stop calling myself a garbage person. I do it a lot less. <laughs> huh. um, but that one was a more technical one, but it really was like, but it's laid out simply. And like Kristen said, we love s- things that are like actionable. And it's like, here's how you do it. Here's how your brain works, but like in lay terms, not like, you know, doctor terms. And I also just loved Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes because. I was going into it a little skeptical, even though I love her, but I was like, how is Shonda Rhimes the, like television goddess that she is gonna like be able to tell me like a little schmuck about life like how how is she gonna make this relatable but here she is talking about like oh i had to go sit next to michelle obama and i felt like shit and i didn't want to go outside and i was like oh i can relate
0: not about michelle but about not wanting to go outside right Right. (laughs) see if she had internalized all the shad stuff we wouldn't have that Yes, (laughs) Yes, ah, <laughs> uh, it's true. It's um, true. <laughs> I did read an interview with you guys where you mentioned that book, Jolenta. But then, Kristen, you were—if I'm right, you, if I remember correctly—you were saying you didn't like that book as much, the self-talk one, because you didn't like the story
2: behind it. Is that right? Um, I actually, I think that is a fantastic book. What I didn't like was how Jolenta talked to herself all the time, and that's why I kind of oh. Uh, snuck that book into the schedule and maybe Jolenta wasn't necessarily on board with it originally.
1: <laughs> it might have been me. That oh, okay. was a skeptical for first. Oh, oh,
2: oh, I misunderstood. The
0: story, <clears throat> yeah, behind, I see, I, I, you I, were saying you don't like how that book got, why, I see. I misunderstood what I was reading. I'm glad yeah. I brought this up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. But, I but see. another,
2: yeah, I, I, another book that Jolenta and I, um, I mean, not... Like, there are a number of books that Jolent and I like that are not just about the individual, but so much of what we need help with. Why do I feel tired? Why do I feel bad about myself? Why do I feel like I can't get ahead? So many of these questions that self-help books claim they're going to help us with aren't because of what we as individuals are doing. It's because of the world we live in. And so both Jolent and I have also enjoyed books that are like, hey, don't just, you know, put a sticker on your mirror saying, you go, girl. Instead, <laughs> yeah. maybe write a letter to your congressperson. Maybe go out and protest in the streets. Maybe find a way to give back. Maybe find a way to spread kindness, because that's an endorphin rush for you, but also makes the world slightly less painful for somebody else. And all of these things that help us to look outward mm-hmm. um, have done more for me in the self help universe than just like sitting mm-hmm. and meditating. I hate meditating, by the way. And any book that has me meditate makes me an angrier, more violent person. So, just have me go out in the world and be nice instead. Those kinds of books have done so much more for me on the show, and I wish more self help books were like that.
0: I want people to know who are just listening to this and not watching it on youtube.com slash allison rosen that uh when kristen said that she hates meditating jolenta had a real look on her face
1: <laughs> <laughs> are you, are you pro meditation? she really hates it well kristen's just like a i mean she's she's like a you know spark plug but she's generally like a pretty polite minnesotan but you get her meditating and afterwards she's always like this is a fucking dumb like i hate i hate the world now too and, or like, and everything's loud. She can never get comfortable. Like I never see her drag her feet to do a task except when it's meditate. So I just always love, love, love that that side of her because it so rarely comes out.
0: Which one of you bullet journals? Me, me, Jolenta. Do you do this every day?
1: Ish. I mean, at this point, it's basically just a streamlined, like, to-do list that I try to, like, keep track of where I have, like, sort of a brain dump list and a, like, daily list of, like, here's the three things I'm going to, like, maybe try to do today. Um, but, yeah, I still use it. And, like, it definitely helps me with with the day-to-day, like, oh, remember to, like, put that in the mail or remember mm-hmm. to, you know, email Kristen that thing um, but I don't use it the way a lot of people do to like track every workout or every cup of water or this and that. Mine's very much like just get a few things done. Okay? Right.
0: I feel like the time required to bullet journal, the way I see people doing it, I don't have that or I, right. I haven't figured out how to make that. Um, You got to search for like minimalist
1: Bujo. And then you'll find ones that are all just like, I used a pen and wrote like Monday. (laughs) (laughs) But like, it's a little aesthetically pleasing, but it's not like I learned like, you know, detailed calligraphy and and watercolor and like I made my own stamps. (laughs) Like It's like, no, 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 no. Yes, exactly. But people get super ornate. I think people, a lot of people use it as an outlet that I think doesn't make them feel guilty like a crafting outlet or like a drawing outlet where it's like but it's for a good purpose it's because I'm meal planning for everyone's lunches this week but I'm Mm -hmm. also gonna like fucking paint for five minutes you
2: know
0: (laughs) (laughs) right how did um how did uh life-changing magic
2: of tidying up how was that for you guys oh that was a lot of work um
1: it it was it's a big task like the initial like big clean out because it literally mm. says dump everything you own out like in a central location and start like sorting it from there and like even in new york or in brooklyn where we have like small apartments like everything you own is a lot of things
2: yeah and then especially to touch if you have kids object. around like which we
1: didn't yeah. yeah oh yeah you have to touch yeah. each thing pick it Let's up see if it sparks spark joy. joy.
2: Yeah, do each of the categories in the correct order. Oh, but right. then I think the harder part that most people aren't aware of if they haven't read the book cover to cover is the lifestyle portion. So the tidying up is only half of the book. The other half of the book is to live the tidy way. So for example, if you get up in the morning to take a shower, you have to get your shampoo, conditioner, soap and washcloth out of a cupboard because they can't actually be in your shower because that causes visual clutter. So you have to take them out of the cupboard and then use them, wipe them off, Put them back. Ideally, nothing has a label on it because <laughs> labels are also visual clutter. So all of your canned goods should not have labels this on is, them either,
0: so <laughs> you never know what you're opening. This is a new thing I learned just from TikTok, and it actually like made sense to me. Just that all the words in your kitchen, although I can't right. imagine actually taking the labels off food because that's right. insane, but <laughs> like all you know, the dish soap words and all of that is just kind of clutter.
1: Mm-hmm. Like you do read it. It does register. Like it right. does take like a little blip of energy. Yeah. Um. And like all that being said, I did love the book. Uh. Uh. Kristen did not. But like, <laughs> and I mean, but also because I'm, because I'm me, like I don't necessarily get as strict when I live by the books as Kristen does where I'm like, how can I do this within like a way that doesn't make me go insane. And Kristen's like, I'll go insane. Um, but, like, I still fold all my clothes, like, the same way. Often, like, when I'm purchasing things, she talks about, like, you know, purchase things only when you need them. And, like, everything should spark joy, even, like, your pajamas. So, it's, like, I like feeling, like, nice in everything I have now. And, like, now when I buy something, I try to see, like, what doesn't spark joy necessarily anymore and when I throw stuff out, I do thank it still, which I feel like is fun. She literally <laughs> says, like, when you throw out something, like, like, you throw out a shirt that you loved for, like, three years that you wore, like, throughout the whole of the pandemic, but there are holes in it. When you toss it, you go, like, thank you. And it's, like, a nice way to, like, <laughs> honor what it meant to you while you're also getting rid of it.
0: What would she say to do about my pants that are now suddenly have some mysterious Thing that's aggravate that's like vaguely itchy on a spot on my back and I can't find it.
2: I think she would tell you to get rid of the pants, Allison. I, think she, I she think she would say. I, I think she would. I wouldn't these- let
0: go either.
1: I would like be determined to find it even more and like end up ruining him somehow. But like, I'm I going. That is what I'm say going to do. Yeah, I'd be like running
0: a lighter everywhere, being like, maybe I'll like yeah. melt it down. <laughs> yeah. I will. That's what I'll have to do. Oh, I have. Also during the pandemic, I bought a lint shaver. Ooh, I gotta like, like put, maybe you can shave, shave, shave off shave any your little pants. ends that
1: are like yeah. invisible and sticking yeah, up. But I'll destroy them by maybe, shaving them. Sh- yeah. Oh yeah. You can <laughs> totally you do mean. it too. Yeah. She would try to say, like, maybe replace them, like in your capsule wardrobe, get like two next
0: time. <laughs> I actually did buy a replacement pair, but I can't find them. That's how organized I am. But the replacement oh, no. pair they don't they're not as they don't fit the same. They're, yeah, I would say they're not, they haven't been lived in. They don't right. know, they don't know your body. They don't, yeah. <laughs> they don't know. They don't know me. It's like my son <laughs> has his favorite stuffed animal named mm. Uniqua from the Backyardigans. And so he loves it so much <gasps> mm-hmm. that my mother-in-law bought another one, which he immediately, you know, recognized as not the same. So I was right. calling her Uniqua. And I was, I was like, oh, that's, I
2: thought
0: that's that was cute. my clever little that thing. That is and
2: so cute. That and he so picked
0: cute. her up and he said no Niqua," and, and tossed her <laughs> oh. and I was like oh <laughs> yeah that's yeah. even better
2: than new Niqua. No I Neuqua. love that Uniqua is his famous his favorite of those backyardigans yeah. um, my niece is you know she, she used to be very attached to Uniqua, and my nephew was all about Pablo the penguin oh yeah um, but uh, I, I love that I love that your son loved Uniqua. <laughs> he lo- yeah. yeah he has Pablo but, yeah, it and, didn't feel right yeah he has Pablo and
0: Tyrone as well, but Uniqua is his uh his the one he loves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um
1: That's so sweet.
0: Let's see. So it's that's fascinating to me that I didn't know and if I didn't know, I feel like no one knows. How's that for uh solipsistic and narcissistic? <laughs> um that there's a whole other component to the Marie Kondo way. Does no one make it nope. past halfway through sense. this book? That's well, what I believe. Also, the Netflix show
1: that everyone watched or like a lot of people watched, like they don't address it at all. I mean, right. Kristen and I were talking, we're like, oh, they took they took out the part that's like kind of crazy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they took out the part that's like crazy making. Yeah. And like, you know, when you read the whole book, even Marie Kondo talks about her background of like clutter drove her crazy as a child and she would like run home to order Organize different things. Well, I remember her the part of the would, book like, where she would stop.
0: Like, she would throw out her siblings' items. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. And it's like, clearly, this woman has like an intense fixation on this lifestyle. And like, I say this about all self help books and authors like, what you're getting is a glimpse of someone of like. The inner workings of someone's brain who has gone like super, ex- who's gotten like super extreme focus on one like really small aspect of life, whether it's cleaning, meditating, waking up early. It's someone who's gotten really, really into it and like declared themselves an expert. But like people who get like super zoned into stuff, like get a little intense, get a little extra, do a little more than your average person could because like they just don't love it as much.
2: Yeah. yeah. And then they oversell the promise of how your life will be changed. They use the word life changing in so many books we've read. And it's like, mm. is my life really going to be changed? By organizing my shampoo every morning in this way. Is it really going to be changed for the better? Maybe it'll be changed for the worse and it'll be frustrating. (laughs) Is my life really going to be made better by waking up at 4 a.m. each day like one of our books required us to? Um, No, it didn't make our lives better. It made Jolenta sick. She was completely sleep deprived and um, run down and so on. But the author of that book, he really believed because it worked for him, you know, that it's the one true way for everybody. What was that book? That was called the Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Hal Elrod? Mm. Yeah. That sounds miserable. <laughs> right, right, right. And you don't just right. wake up early, then you have to do There's like a whole 12 things every you have morning. to do. <laughs> no.
0: Um, yep. you know, Atomic Habits gets brought up a lot in my mm. world. And I have it on audiobook. I have not made it all the way through. That's when You guys did that one, You right? don't
2: have to. You can put okay. it away, Allison.
1: Right. I was going to gonna say, like,
0: <laughs> eh. Not that good? I feel like it's very
1: quotable, but not, like, great when it comes to actually, like, the big picture of the advice. It's just sort of how to micromanage the shit out of yourself.
2: Yeah. And I also just don't like the overarching message of the book, which is repeatedly – daily or weekly to look back on the progress you made or didn't make and to remember that you're never going to be good enough and you must be 1% better every day than the day before. Hmm. And like, I don't feel that that makes – it doesn't make me feel better to think like, oh, I have to be 1% better tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Like, What's wrong with me the way I am now? Am I really that big of a loser? No, I'm not. But you are never good enough is the overarching message of that book to me. And so Mm -hmm. um, I I don't want to live in that world where I'm never good enough. I don't want to live like that.
0: I will say there is one self-help book that did help me a ton that my therapist recommended many years ago. Um, And I know it is by an author that wrote a book that you guys did talk about. So I'm curious what your reaction was. And it was – Mars and Venus on a date by John Gray. Um, <laughs> and when I went to her, I really didn't know like at all how to date. Um, and I don't know that anyone's really taught how to date, but I no, just yeah. sort of thought that if it was someone that I was hooking up with, that we were in a relation. I didn't really understand the difference between like, if someone just wants to hook up with you, they act a certain way. If someone wants to date you and be in a relationship with you, they act a different way. And so I was just constantly confused uh, and hurt Um, and would uh, kind of, I remember someone said about me, she reads signals from guys wrong, and it was like the most hurtful thing I had heard, even though I look back on that and I'm like, oh, that was totally true. But anyway, that (laughs) book was really helpful for me. Uh, what, What did you think of Mars and Venus?
2: So well, we didn't read that book yeah. in the oh, series. He okay. he, he um, wrote several books, but his first book he ever wrote, the big big hit in the Mars Venus universe, his first big book in that series was called "Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus." Right, and uh, we found it to be completely based on certain kinds of antiquated gender norms. Yeah, and and the idea that like, oh, men when they come home, they don't want you. You know, flapping your gums, ladies. They need their alone time in the man cave. And Mm -hmm. fellas, if your lady is being emotional, just remember, that's her cycle. That's the way she is. Yeah. And ladies, if you – Tell your man when he's lost in the car, look, there's a gas station. We can stop and ask for directions. You essentially destroyed his ego and killed a part of his soul. And like it has a lot of things like ladies, but most of it's ladies. Everything's your fault. Shut your mouth Mm -hmm. and just worship your man. Um, So,
1: Yeah, yeah, I know it's I feel like for dating advice, though, like because his book is based on like pretty heteronormative, like gender role stereotypes Um, And, like, let's be honest, dating is, like, kind of surfacey at the beginning, and often, like, we have to sort of play into those stereotypes as our, like, modern mating ritual requires. So I could really see how... sort of being like men like this, women like this, this tends to scare men, like would be much more like would feel much lighter and much more approachable and applicable if it was just about like the first few dates and like how, how do stereotypically guys process this sort of behavior or that sort of behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to just like, this is the rest of your life and you have to like (laughs) trick him into like pretending he's (laughs) interested, it gets a little like bleak.
0: If I remember correctly, it like breaks down the beginning stages. It, there's like five stages and it's like the, like getting to know you, the something exclusivity, like <sighs> doubt or so, like mm-hmm. so that, so that if like when you're falling in love with someone, all of a sudden you might have second thoughts and someone who's not like, you know, up to speed on all this stuff, uh, might think this means they're with the wrong person. But actually, that Mm. is a, a, you know, quote, unquote, normal, like healthy stage that you go through. I I think that was in the book. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was sort of helpful for me to have it broken down in that way. I don't know. This was many years ago. I feel like society has come a long way since then. There's probably a lot of other better books. But for someone who really didn't know what the hell was going on, it was kind of helpful. He's also, a very insipid though, little character though, John Gray. He He's an interesting but, dude, yeah. yeah.
2: But I would also say that even the worst self-help books, sometimes we take away really helpful things from and vice versa. Sometimes the best self-help books just have terrible things in them. Yeah. Sometimes the worst self-help books have little nuggets that like, I still think about that might be useful. And some that, you know may be antiquated and dated in some ways. Um, like I, I know a lot of people make fun of how to win friends and influence people. Like, hey fellas, do you want to <laughs> succeed in business without even trying? Do you want to win friends and influence people? My name is Dale Carnegie. You know, it's like this whole other era of book from the 1930s. And um, but I will say there are things from that book I still think about. And the way he wrote it with positivity and with his hope to be inclusive in the best way he could as a white man in the 1930s of bringing in stories of people who were muslim people who were japanese people who were you know of different backgrounds and so on uh women's stories he tried to do that but one thing i mention a lot is he um said be the dog the dog greets people at the door and is excited to see them the dog you know doesn't say the minute that so-and-so comes home, like, why are you so late? Or, Mm. oh, God, you know, I, I I can't believe that you didn't bring home dinner with you or whatever, like, be the dog, the dog's always excited to see you. And if you go in being the dog in most situations, you'll probably have a better time. And the people around you will probably like you better too, if you're the dog. So I think about that. And yeah, that may be a dated book. But I I do think that Mm -hmm. there was some good in it. I have always meant to
0: read that book, and I never have. It's, it's not perfect. It's, again, it's, it's very dated it's in funny. some ways.
2: But yeah. I, I, again, it goes back to what you were saying about Mars and Venus on a date. Even books that have problems, I think, can have useful bits and pieces. Right. Oh, totally. I think it is now time to do a segment
0: called Just Me or Everyone. Uh, this, these are things we think or do. And we wonder, is it just me or is it everyone?
1: Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought
0: or done. Is it just me or
2: everyone? Do you guys happen to have one? I have one. Oh, I definitely have one. And Jolenta, I'm going to have to apologize to you for this. What? Jolenta Jolenta has to suffer through a lot of my punning. I pun a lot. Mm, Um, mm,
1: That's true.
2: I'm wondering, is it just me or everyone, when you reach into the fridge, you have the door full of sauces, you're eating a nice Vietnamese lunch, you reach for that one sauce, do you say, that sauce is hoisin? (laughs) Is it just me or does everybody sing the song by Belle Viv DeVoe? (laughs) Is that sauce hoisin? Everyone does that, right? It's not just me.
1: I do not do that, but I probably will now (laughs) that I've heard that.
0: <laughs> it can't just be you. I will. It I don't think I've ever be. done that, but I'm sure it's not just you. I that's like, I feel like it should a, be it's everybody. Such a good
1: one.
2: Yeah, that's really yeah. good. Wow! And yeah. all the like members of Bulb Devoe, they must do it, right?
1: I would hope. I wonder. I hope. I hope, hope, so. <laughs> I <laughs> hope they amazing. were like, "Duh!" Of course, the first thing I did when I got into that sauce.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Joanna
1: um, okay, so this one, this one's actually come up on our podcast by the book before. Um, is it just me? Or does everyone do this? I love to pee in the shower.
0: I do. Wait, yes. did you say you love it, though?
1: I don't love it, but I do it. Like, okay. it's like, sure, for sure. Like, Let's yeah. do it. Um, my husband was horrified to learn Which that I'd been peeing in our shower for years. <laughs> and I'm like, what? You just go and pee a little. Like It all goes down the drain. It's all washed away within seconds when you're soaping yourself up and shampooing. Like It's like a free free flush.
2: It's sterile. Yeah. yeah. I love peeing in the shower and brushing my teeth at the same time while they're shampooing my hair. Oh. I feel like everything's Whoa. being cleaned that way. Everything is just, you know, washing down the drain. I love it. I think it's great. Huh. Okay. I
0: don't brush my teeth Good. in the
2: shower. Maybe I should. Mm. I highly
0: recommend I used it, long pee. When
1: I was younger, like when I was like, got to get to school, but I I kind of
0: <laughs> stopped doing it. I never really think about well, my husband oh. peeing in the shower though. But he probably Do you, does. I wonder
1: if like is it harder for men? I wouldn't think so. <laughs>
0: Well, like, for me, be I, try, I do try to sort of get it just right down, you know, over the drain. I was going
1: to say, I just sort of, yeah, stand
0: over the drain. And yeah.
1: Like, aim. I don't aim aim, but, like, I hypothetically aim.
0: Right. And somehow I bet he is, like, it, it's, that's not happening. I got to – a conversation is going to be happening later. Okay. Is I feel like good? the odd person like, is out here like, here
1: oh, I always that- pee on the wall, and then it's going <laughs> to rip it off. Like, right. <laughs>
2: Okay, so I feel like the odd person out because Dean and I frequently will shower together and I don't care if he pees in the shower while I'm in the shower with him. Is that weird? Maybe that's just oh, me. That might just be me. Does does it happen a lot? Um, yeah, I guess it does. <laughs> I think about it. Yeah, oh. and I have no qualms peeing in the shower when he's there with me too. I don't think
1: I would want to.
2: So... I. I guess it I is just I'd me. It's not everybody pee if, who pees in the shower oh, with no. their partner.
1: Yeah. I don't know if I, I feel like that's still private. Like,
2: hmm.
0: I don't know. I wouldn't be
1: offended if he did it, but I'd be like, I don't know for this comfort. I don't know if we should be this comfortable with each other, but
0: you, you and your <laughs> husband
1: have a different level of like physical comfortability, I guess.
0: I, I mean, I like that. I like that you guys are doing that. Right. Like it's I'm, really... I'm like envious and afraid. <laughs>
2: we're saving a lot of flushes.
0: I mean, it sounds to yeah. me like you guys are, it's sort of like a, like this is just a regular shower you guys are taking together as opposed to like this is a special romantic a sex- shower. It's not
1: like a sexy shower, right? Oh, no,
2: no, no. It's not yeah. a sexy shower. It's just like, hey. It's just a,
1: like we're both getting ready in the morning. I'm hopping into, yeah, like, exactly. And I'm peeing because it's first thing in the morning or whatever.
2: Exactly. Yes no offense like if, if that's your thing to like yeah, have I'd sexy peeing shower it. time go for it but ours is not well sexy. yeah i was gonna it's say just,
1: i'm sure yeah. like yeah i guess i'd be fine i'm fine with him peeing while i'm like in the room doing stuff so why would it be any different if i was in the room like and moved over to like where the water spigot is coming out of this
0: the wall like there's actually a lot of wow, times so i'll be getting about oh sorry i talked over you oh no there's a lot of times I'll be getting ready for bed and I'll be like at the sink in the bathroom brushing my teeth. And then my husband will just come in and start brushing his teeth. And I feel like I would rather have privacy right now. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I guess I, what's the end of that thought? I don't know. So, But I guess we're just doing this now. Like, I guess. (laughs) Right. No, I know know. that feeling
1: a lot where it's like, oh, cool. Like, now I have to be squished while I brush my teeth. Yeah. Like, I love you, but like, I don't need this.
0: Yeah. Like, why is why is my bathroom time not respected? Because if I was on the toilet, he wouldn't have come in unless he needed Mm. to get in right that minute. So why is this okay? I should just lock the door or something. (laughs) yeah i don't
1: know i was like yeah i feel the same way often but i have the door wide open too so it's not like
0: i'm like deterring him from coming right maybe i i I can't remember how i left the door i'm sure i could just say something to him i think every you know what i think it is i'm realizing as i'm saying it out loud i think every night i have the thought as if it's for the first time like Mm. every night i'm annoyed as if it's the first time i'm annoyed this has been helpful, guys. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Every night you
0: have that like, is this bugging me? Oh, my God, it is. Yeah, <laughs> Just me or everyone. When my husband comes in, it annoys me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I agree with you, especially in the mornings. Yeah.
0: Um, and then also we have a segment called Hey, Go Fuck Yourself. Do you, do, does anyone have a go, Hey, Go Fuck Yourself?
2: Oh, my God, so many. Or some. Feel free to do multiples. Oh, God. Can I just say, Clarence? Yes. Ginny? Mm. Clarence and Ginny Thomas. Hey, will you just go fuck yourselves? Please, fuck yourselves. Please, Clarence Thomas, don't just recuse yourself from anything involving the court case around the insurrection on January 6th. Completely step down from the Supreme Court resign, hanging your head in shame. You have a treasonous wife, a wife who wanted the government that you work for to be overthrown. No, Ginny, you are terrible. Clarence, you never do anything, by the way, in your job. When have you ever written a decision? When have you actually done <laughs> anything useful with your job? I'm not even going to, you know, bring up the fact that you have a history of sexual assault. Oh, no, I just did. I brought it up. What? Yes. So that's a problem, too. You need to step down from the court Clarence, And, Ginny, you need to just... Go somewhere else. I I don't know what I want you to do. Oh, I know. I want you to go fuck yourself. Yes, <laughs> that's that's what I want. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Hard agree. Yes. beautifully I'm, put, I'm, I'm girl. Not, I'm not even talking about Roe v. Wade yet. I could I, I could no, go I on and on with that too. I I could really go on with that too.
0: Yeah. Well, I feel
1: like your yours leads right into mine because mine was Clarence Thomas and Brett Brent Kavanaugh.
2: Oh yes, yes. They
1: super can go fuck themselves, especially because they're the two people on the Supreme Court who have been like very publicly accused of like pretty believable like moments of sexual assault. So the fact that they think they are qualified to tell like 50, 50, 51 percent of the population like how to deal with uh, their body parts is fucking insane.
0: Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Kristen Jolenta, it was so nice having you on the show. Thank you so, so, so much. Tell everyone uh again where they can go. Plug all your things, your social media handles if you would like, etc. Please. Oh my gosh. Well, romance road test, the Audible
1: original is at audible.com slash romance road test. Uh, we have a great episode with Nedra Glover Tawab at the end. She's like the super best selling author slash relationship therapist. She's incredible. Definitely check it out. Also, our regular podcast, Buy the Book. Uh, if you just search for it, you can find it in like any podcatcher. And we got lots of episodes. So if you need to, if you need a binge, we're here
0: for you. Um, and are you guys on? Um, I know you have uh, yeah, like I was a saying, really. Kristen, do you want to? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah.
1: You want yeah. yeah. to do the Facebook and our Insta handles? Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. they're all. A- yeah. So if you want to follow us on Instagram, where you can oftentimes see photos of us living by books and uh, enhancing and destroying our marriages, you can <laughs> look for us on Instagram at ByTheBookPod. That's the same handle for Twitter, at ByTheBookPod, where we share episodes and thoughts about things and this and that. And then we have this very, very active private Facebook community with 15,000 people who just log in every day and talk to each other about life and what they need help with and what they're mad about in the world and so on. And that is facebook.com slash groups slash btbpod. So, um, yeah, those are all of our socials.
0: I joined last night and it, uh, oh I was like, God. this is so cool. I already learned stuff it's one of the nicest
1: groups i'm in i'm in a lot of like reality tv show gossip groups and then i always go to our group to be like oh my gosh like there is kindness in the world even on the internet and like people want to help each other and like
0: give snarky advice whenever i find a uh, like a a good robust group on facebook i'm like damn it because i want to like not be on facebook (laughs) and i'm like oh but it's got good stuff sometimes (laughs) um you guys, thank you so much. Listeners, if you like what you're hearing, or even if you don't, make sure you're subscribed. Um, leave us a nice review. It helps out the show. Tell your friends. Listen to my other podcast, Childish uh, and Upworthy Weekly. Upworthy Weekly is my lighthearted news podcast. Comes out on Saturdays. Childish is my parenting-ish podcast with Greg Fitzsimmons. Comes out every other Wednesday. Follow me on social media at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. I am on Patreon, patreon.com slash Alison Rosen for all that fun stuff. Uh, and um, I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but you know where to find me. You guys, thank you so much. This was so great. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen
2: Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go.
0: Yeah, Allison Rosen.